Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised. I worship you. Welcome to another episode of 20 Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Pine. And I'm Andy Baylock. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. In our last lesson, The Truth of the Trinity, we explored the scriptural support for the doctrine that God is three in one. Today, we're going to build on that truth by showing that man, like God, is also three in one, a trinity of mind, body, and spirit. The official term for this doctrine is the tripartite nature of man. Tri meaning three, and partite meaning parts. In other words, the three-part nature of man. Now, we've spoken about this before, since it is part of the keys of three that form the foundation of the kingdom truths. However, it seems we haven't done a full study on this topic since 2017. So it's good to revisit this and all the verses that support it. Yes, I want to thank listener Dan, who heard that episode from 2017 and sent us some materials from a Chinese Bible teacher named Watchman Nee. It seems Brother Nee wrote extensively about this topic, and Dan's email got me interested in the question of how many other believers have understood this important truth. Today, it seems there aren't that many, unfortunately. But that wasn't always the case. According to Wikipedia, the tripartite doctrine was part of church orthodoxy for the first three centuries, and many of the early church fathers wrote about it. Okay, so let's get started on this topic. As always, we begin by listening to the Word of God. Two readings, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. First, from the book of Genesis. Then the Lord formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. That was Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Now, turning to the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That was 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. These readings are two of the four key scriptures supporting the tripartite doctrine. You can immediately see why the early church for centuries believed firmly in this doctrine. In Genesis, God forms man's body from the molecules of the ground and breathes life into him. The concept of the breath of life is key because the word in New Testament Greek for spirit, pneuma, means a breath or puff of air. In fact, if you've ever heard the sound of a pneumatic wrench, like the ones they use to remove those lug nuts when changing the wheels on a car, you'll immediately understand why the wrench is called pneumatic. 
Then Genesis 2-7 says man became a, quote, living being. Elsewhere in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is translated soul. So we have body, spirit, and soul, the three parts of man, in the Old Testament. In our second reading, the Apostle Paul is even clearer in citing the three parts. He speaks of the whole or complete person and then lists out our parts, which are, again, spirit, soul, and body. This is the clearest scriptural proof of the tripartite doctrine. Now, to break it down for you guys in the Greek, spirit is pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, as already mentioned. Soul is the word suke, which is actually spelled P-S-Y-C-H-E. And that's a Greek word from which we get our word psychology. And we'll get back to that in a moment. And then body is soma, S-O-M-A. Now, in biology, we learn about somatic cells, which are simply put just bodily cells. Now, that's another Greek word brought into the English. So spirit, soul, and body. Or if we shuffle them around, you could say mind, body, and spirit, which is a more commonly heard phrase today. Yes, the key word there is mind. I'm not sure if this is original to me, but I've always thought of the suke or soul as being the mind. That's because suke developed into the English word psyche. And when you spell it, Andy, that sort of becomes apparent. And that word, of course, means mind in English. The word can also be translated life, and it is translated that way in certain New Testament verses. In trying to understand this Greek word and to grasp what the Bible means by the concept of a soul life, I came to the conclusion that the suke must represent the total of our life experiences, our memories, our consciousness, or as we read in Genesis 2-7, our being. It's a little difficult to wrap your head around, and it's complicated by the fact that we often use the words soul and spirit interchangeably. After the first three centuries of the church, some false teachings caused mainstream believers to doubt the tripartite nature of man. It became more common to think of man as a dichotomy, uh, you know, two, instead of a trichotomy, two parts instead of three, in other words, the body and the soul slash spirit. But while there is some linguistic connection between those words soul and spirit in the original languages of the Bible, the tripartite view recognizes the critical differences. For instance, it is the spirit that is saved at the moment of faith in Jesus Christ and spirit salvation is irrevocable. However, the soul must continually be saved or sanctified through confession and righteous works in order to qualify for the kingdom. If we have time later, we can further discuss this important truth. You know, Jordan, um, before I get into it myself too, I just wanted to mention, I've, I've often been asked that question, like, well, how do you differentiate between the soul? Mm-hmm. I mean, the body is pretty evident, right? That's obvious. Right. But how do you differentiate, Andy, between the soul and the spirit. And, you know, after years and years of having time to meditate about this and study about it, I found the best way to do it is this way. When I when I try to explain to somebody what the spirit is, I kind of like to explain to them, imagine when you create a corporation, the fact that it's, you know, it's an entity and it exists is is the fact that, you know, God created us, you know, as partly spirit, meaning that when we get saved, that's our everlasting being, the fact that he created us and created a title deed to our life. Whereas the soul, I like to say, is like your personality. And the personality over years can change. It can improve. It could digress and become worse. So I, I like to tell people that, you know, your soul is kind of like your personality. The fact that, you know, 
Andy likes the color blue, but Jordan likes the color red or what have you. You know, what makes us the way we are is the soul. And that's the part I often tell people that needs to continually be sanctified and saved because it can fall away. However, the fact that Jesus died once for all sin and and purchased our eternal essence is the spirit. So kind of in layman's terms, that's what I often tell people. So, you know, moving on from there. Great point. Um, I like green, by the way. Green's my favorite color. <laughs> you know, they say geniuses love green. All right. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's go back here. So for now, you know, let's continue focusing on the scriptural support for tripartite view, okay? I like to go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and I'll read it for everyone. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, comma, of both joints and marrow, comma, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So if you if you look there a little careful, you'll see you'll see the word soul, you'll see the word spirit, and then you'll see joints and marrow, which is pretty much key parts of your body. So we see the the, the triune trinity of man there. There it's definitely a different. The soul and the spirit are different because it can be divided, it can be separated. Now, earlier, Jordan, you mentioned that the last time we addressed this topic was back in 2017. And if my memory serves me correct, that episode, which you can find in the archives online, by the way, was named for this particular verse. We called it soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Here, the author uses joints and marrow as a description of the soma or the body, as we mentioned. Um, Jordan, what more could you say about that? Yeah, I just think it's an interesting way to, to go about mentioning the body. But what, what really jumps out at me from Hebrews 4.12 and why we named uh, the ver- the um, episode by that verse is the, um, is the clear distinction between soul and spirit. So going back to this confusion, trichotomy, dichotomy, tripartite, whatever, you know, it, it, it's so clear in Scripture that those are two different words and two different things, even in the English of this verse. And of course, if you get into the Greek, it, it's clear throughout the Bible. You know, and to complete the list of four key verses, so we've heard three now, you know, that support this tripartite doctrine, we have the Apostle Paul's explanation of the three natures of man, and that's in 1 Corinthians 2, um, verse 12 to chapter 3, verse 3, and I'll just read that quickly. It says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ." And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. So there's so much in that passage, including, you know, the milk and the meat concept or milk and solid food concept, which we've uh, gone over in several cases. It's, it's It's a passage about spiritual maturity as well as the topic of today's lessons. But what I want to focus on in this passage is that Paul speaks of the natural man, the spiritual man, and the fleshly or carnal man. And if you get into the Greek of the passage, it turns out that the natural man is the soulish man. 
So the, pri- the tripartite man is again in view, the soulish man, the spiritual man, and the somatic or, or bodily man, fleshly man. Yeah, Jordan, those are great points. And just to clarify a little bit, you know, just a, a down-to-earth understanding of what that means, like what you're talking about, spiritual man, fleshly or carnal man, um, and of course, natural man. So the way we've studied over the years and what we've, you know, turned out to receive back from this study is that the spiritual man is obviously somebody who's mature. And Paul alludes to that by saying that he couldn't speak to them as spiritual men and he could only give them milk to drink. So that's, you know, somebody who's spiritual is somebody who can receive these stronger doctrines. Um, the natural man is somebody who actually hasn't received Jesus Christ as Savior yet. It's just a, a really nice way of saying someone who's not, it's the average man who doesn't have his spirit saved yet. And the carnal man is someone who is saved, but is is more in the world and hasn't matured to be able to to receive or, or in a way, if you will, digest these deeper teachings. So, you know, it's important also that we know that there's there needs to be a challenge to this tripartite view in a teaching of Jesus. That's what um, you know, Brother Dan was was writing to us earlier. So it leads me to want to read Mark chapter 12, Jordan, and I'm going to read verses 28 to 30 for our listeners. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognizing that he answered them well, they asked him, being Jesus, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, here Jesus mentions four parts. Interesting. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, I guess you could say strength is another description for the body, but then we also have the heart, and there's a distinction made between the soul and the mind. So maybe, would you say, Jordan, the tripartite doctrine isn't correct after all? Yeah, I mean, it's a fair point. And, you know, going to the Greek, we see that the word for soul in this verse is indeed our Greek word from before, suke. Yet there's a separate word for mind here, which is dianoia, which sort of pronounced like paranoia. Um, and they have some linguistic similarities. So digging into that word's meaning gives us somewhat of an answer to the challenge. The word means the faculty of understanding, feeling, desiring. And remember, I interpreted suke as meaning the sum total of our life experiences, our being, if you will. And that's how Genesis put it. So there is somewhat of a difference between dianoia and suke. Perhaps we could say you should love God with all your understanding and all your being in order to distinguish the two. When we introduce heart, it gets even more interesting. The word in Greek is cardia, which should sound familiar because when we have heart problems, who do we visit? Well, cardiologists, of course. Right. So this can mean the physical organ, but it can also mean the emotional center of a person, the source of our passions, love, and so on. And we have the same sense in English, of course, when we say things like, have a heart, or his heart wasn't in it. Yeah, those are great points, Jordan. And that's a, a good way to support, you know, understanding that Jesus actually recommended that we use four parts of our entity, okay? So returning to our text, here we see again that Jesus is quoting the Shema, and it's the most important prayer in Judaism. It's the confession of the Jewish faith. Now, we covered the first part in a recent lesson, 
we read Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, and the words are, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Now, back to Mark 12, Jesus also quotes the next part of the Shema, and that's Deuteronomy 6, 5, which states, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now, notice in Deuteronomy, only three parts are mentioned. Soul, body, which we would use the word might because it comes from the strength of the body, and heart. So soul, body, and heart. Now, the Hebrew words here are nefesh, which is translated soul. And it's the same word we saw in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, that was also translated being. And the levav, which is translated today heart, which is in, in dictionary, Strong's dictionary, defines it as the inner man. And that's just another way of expressing the spiritual man that Paul was speaking about. The bottom line is don't be confused by the number of words, since all the words the Bible uses are expressing the same three general concepts. Okay, so earlier I mentioned that not, not only are we a trinity, but all three parts of that trinity are saved in different ways. This is the three salvations concept. Can you elaborate on that a little, Andy, so we can see how they line up with the tripartite doctrine? Yeah, I mean, we this is a topic that, you know, many of our new listeners probably might not have heard before, but it's—and you alluded to, to it earlier, Jordan—but it's key to understanding the deeper truths of the Bible, and it really helps us clarify correct doctrine, because many times in the Bible, salvation is spoken of in the past tense, meaning that it happened once— and that continues forever. It's it's what we call the past perfect tense. For instance, if you say, you know, I was saved, it doesn't mean I was saved and then now I have to maintain that. In scripture, when the Bible speaks of us being saved in the past tense, it means that our spirit was saved. And that's that's the part of of what we talked about earlier, which represents our entity. Like I alluded to, I mentioned that it's imagine when, you know, God creating us was like creating a corporation, right? And then, of course, there's the soul, which I use to to describe the soul as your personality, you know? And people change. Things happen in life, you know? Um, you know, you get older, you get wiser, you make mistakes, you learn from your mistakes, you pick yourself up. And that's something that needs to be saved daily. So, and that is directly connected the soul is directly connected to the salvation, not of the spirit, but it's salvation into the millennial kingdom. So the soul is the part of us. Our personality is where we have to maintain a righteous lifestyle because we hope and pray that when we one day go to judgment, and for Christians, that's the Bema Seed or the Judgment Seed of Christ, which you can read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that needs to be saved daily. That's why we need to confess our sins daily. Even though Jesus died once for all sins, and we read about that in Hebrew, we still need to maintain a righteous lifestyle because we hope and we pray that when we do get to the Bema Seat, which happens after the rapture, that we will hear those wonderful words, you know, well done, good and faithful steward or good and faithful servant. You, will, you have been faithful over a few things, but I will make you ruler over much. So the soul, your personality, in other words, is something that we need to constantly make sure that we don't lose out on any of the future reward. And of course, the body is something that gets saved later. Because right now, if I die before the rapture, I'm going to end up, you know, becoming decrepit in a box, right? But then eventually when the rapture comes, 
the Lord will reanimate my body and I will be joined with my spirit and my soul and I will meet the Lord in the air. And then from there we go to the third heaven. So that's the future salvation. Okay. The body will be saved in the future. So your spirit was saved in the past. Your soul is saved every day. We're constantly looking to make sure that we repent and live righteously. And of course, the body will be saved in the, at a future event called the rapture. Great, Andy. Thank you so much for that. You know, as, as Pastor Whipple, the founder of our ministry, used to say, it would be correct to say, I was saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. Because that covers all three parts, right? For sure. So finally, to sum up today's lesson, the Bible clearly teaches that one, like God, we are a trinity. Two, that this trinity is made up of spirit, soul, and body. And three, that all three parts of us must be saved in order to be complete and to rule and reign with Christ Jesus during his millennial kingdom. And that is our lesson. And until next time, everybody, we leave you with the words of the Apostle Paul. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes to explain our initiative, Get 20, Give 20. Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any questions you may have. And we have a growing Facebook community and a discussion forum. When you're on our site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know when new lessons have been added. Also, when you sign up for email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series we put together titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining our online community. It's all online at 20minutebiblestudies.org. Moving on to Give 20. This is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians find it hard to make time to study God's Word and then feel guilty they're unable to do it. Studying the Word of God is so vital to our spiritual growth. And yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. This is why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 minutes for God. And now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give 20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's Word. By giving just $20 per month, you can help us create more lessons and reach more believers than ever before. Plus, we pledge that every cent you contribute will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax deductible. To join our Give 20 initiative, visit 20mbs.org and click Donate. And finally, 20-Minute Bible Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating Christians in preparation for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you liked what you heard today and want to go deeper into God's Word, we strongly recommend you visit the website of Mysteries of the Kingdom, MOTK.org. Yes, these radio studies are just 20 minutes, but our MOTK lessons last as long as needed 
to fully understand whatever passage of Scripture we're studying. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple and to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show. I'm Steve Zioli. Until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.